You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. We call it slicking the bean, choking the chicken, giving yourself a hand, auditioning finger puppets. There's a million and one names for the old five-finger shuffle, and yet hundreds of millions of people are unable to sauce the taco due to disability, aging, or illness. That's where we come in, if you'll pardon the phrase. At Bumpin', we've created the world's first accessible sex toy, so people with limited mobility, hand issues, and disabilities can celebrate Palm Sunday just like everyone else. If you agree that everyone deserves sexual pleasure, help us spread the self-love and fund an orgasm for those in need. Give the gift of the big O at getbumpin.com. That's G-E-T-B-U-M-P-N dot com. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone willy or clone pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone willy or clone a pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. Well, it's summertime here in Canada where I'm recording, and you know, in summertime, we're always told to go outside and explore our national parks. But, you know, for all disabled people, exploring our national parks is just not accessible. Well, I want to tell you about a really cool event that's looking to change that. My friends at the Engineering Health Lab at the Kite Research Institute University Health Network are hosting a virtual conference on National Park Accessibility in Canada. This free event will take place from August 23rd through August 25th, 2022. The goals of this completely free event are What does National Park Accessibility look like to me and why is park accessibility important? What are the major barriers that impact National Park Accessibility for people with disabilities. And what are innovative solutions to improve park accessibility for people with disabilities? You know, I think this is such a great initiative and something you don't want to miss out on because we really need to be considering accessibility everywhere, even throughout our national parks in Canada. So to register for this free event, please head to www.parksaccessibilityconference.ca today. 
This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show. I'm your delectably, deliciously disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get today's show started, shall we? I just want to fan gimp a bit and say... Oh my goodness, we're already on episode 302 of the main show. This is amazing. This is so cool, and thank you all so much for sticking around and for listening, and I, it means so much to me that this little show has been going on for almost, almost, this September it'll be six years. Wow, I can't even believe it. September 7th will be its sixth year in production. All by myself in my house, this show has reached you, and people have said how, how much they listen to the show and how much they admire the show. Thank you, thank you all for listening, for being guests, for supporting me if you're able to. Thank you so much. This episode is going to kind of go back to our roots, and it's going to be a really sexy, sexually explicit episode about sex and disability. And I love doing episodes like this, where I get to bring people into the fold of disability who may not have experience with disability, who may have questions around disability. And so one of my favorite series that I've done in the show is called What Would You Do If You Became Disabled Tomorrow? And I get to do that today with an up-and-coming adult film star, Gabe Woods, out of Australia, who is so fucking sexy, I couldn't... It was We we basically spent the, the hour flirting, which you'll hear us do on this episode. But I love being able to talk with him about his experiences of disability, um, and, and also let him ask questions about disability and sexuality that he had, he wanted to have answered, and then kind of talk about ableism with him, and talk about what would happen if he, he was a wheelchair user, and what would happen if, you know, he had a disabled scene partner, stuff like that, and talk about just bringing people into that experience of disability and letting them explore that with me in a safe space on the podcast is really fun for me to do. So I was really so excited to chat with him. It was a really sexy conversation. I'm pretty sure we were having like audio, audio flirting all the way through. He's a really great dude and really made me think a lot about the different landscapes of sexuality and disability and, and the different landscape of disability as a whole. And I just loved chatting with him and I loved interrogating what would happen if he became disabled tomorrow and talking about porn and disability and sexuality and so many different things. He was so fun to chat with and I hope you enjoy this interview with sexy Aussie adult porn star Gabe Woods. 
as we explore what would happen if he became disabled tomorrow, right here on Disability After Dark. Gabe Woods, hello. Hey, babes, how you going? Hey, how you doing? Nice to finally talk to you. I know, I'm very excited. Thank you for having me. It's, of course, I've been stalking you on the internet for a good, like, six months, maybe longer. Yeah. And you, I've been stalking you in the most inappropriate ways. And so, so I was like, I want to have you on the show to talk about disability, because we've gotten to know each other over the last little while. And I was like, he's hot, so let's do it. Um, So here we are. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. It's, I'm very, very happy. And I'm glad you've been stalking me. That's hot. I mean, you're Aussie. You're hot. You're gay. I mean, you, you hit all the boxes for me. So it's good. It's good. I also like to think that I'm like nice and not a jerk. And Yeah, I'm yeah. And all those things are blindly included. Yes, of course. You're sweet and you're not an asshole so far. Uh, <laughs> I think things are good. Things are good. But no, I... I wanted to have you on the show because we've been talking off air a lot about like disability and that yeah. kind of stuff. And I figured a great forum to like, to, to introduce you to more disability stuff and learn about your experience with disability is to bring you on the show. But before we dive into all that fun stuff, can you introduce yourself a bit to the audience? Tell us who you are, what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Babes. I'm Gabe Woods. I'm a cisgender gay man white man in sydney which is a fabulous city in sydney australia um i'm a content creator and i guess i've been you know for the last year probably making some very uh, triple x rated content with some other very sexy creators in australia and that's been going really well so you know uh i'm looking to keep going with that and see where it takes me but i also have a you know, a, a muggle job as well. But I don't really want to tell people about that. But that's okay. Like, I, I'd rather people know me as Gabe Woods, right? All right. Well, that, I mean, that is what they're here for. Because, I mean, yeah. the the Instagram photo that I'm going to put up when this goes, people are going to like be like, oh, wow, that, that dude's on your show. Wow, awesome. So, but, but I mean. They flood their basements. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, those photos you sent me for the promo, I was like, I don't know if Instagram will allow me to use any of these. I don't know if I'm allowed. It's all about the cropping, babes. Crop yeah. right now is this. Which... That's right. Just, uh, just the whole the T zone. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, so yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about disability today because we've been chatting as friends off off air for probably since we started talking about just disability and getting to like after I flirted with you pretty hard. I was like, so <laughs> totally okay, babe. I cannot tell you how many people flirt with me and my first language is flirting so I don't know if that's because I'm a Libra or because of the person I am but yeah I, I love flirting with people it also it's- might be an Aussie thing I feel like the Aussies over there that's how you guys say hello it's to be a bit yeah. flirty well, yeah I also think like Aussies and Canadians like our Canadian and Aussie cousins like we are very like welcoming people and we're very down to earth and easygoing so flirting comes easily it's it's being mean that I find really hard to do like I couldn't tell someone like fuck off or go away. <laughs> like, I can do it. It's just hard for me to get there. I don't. I don't, I don't want to well, hurt somebody. Exactly the same. Like I have to work. You have to really piss me off for me to like. And then yeah. also, the thing is, then I become polite. Like I'm like, please leave. I don't want you here. <laughs> like rather than how I speak to my friends, which is like you're a fucking cunt. Blah blah blah. 
Oh my god, I'm a, I'm a cunt is my favorite non-gendered like swear word. I mean, it, it totally has a horrible history, but I love it. And it's oh. like non-gendered, you're an asshole, but I love you sort of way. Introduce you to some specific choice Australian swear words that I hope your users pick up in their daily lives. So, oh my goodness, yeah, pepper them in as we're talking. So, so the very first question that I want that I usually ask my guests because I'm usually talking to people with disabilities. I usually ask them, "What are your disabilities, and how do they impact your day?" But as far as we know, right now, you don't identify as disabled, do you? No, no, I don't have any disabilities, but, um, you know, I've had a lot of jobs in my life and I've worked as a tutor and a swim coach and also as well um, the current field I work in. um, It's very important to consider access and inclusion. And when I was tutoring, I certainly tutored kids who had um, some I guess, neurological disabilities, but I also tutored two kids who had cerebral palsy. Um, I also, um, like as a swimming teacher, I taught people who were missing limbs um, from accidents and stuff like that. So I guess while while I would say as a person, I don't have any disabilities, disability has been on the peripheries of my life. So um, I'm conscious of access and inclusion because I think we all need to be because that's the right thing to do. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, it totally does. Um, it's not like I'm just walking into an interview with a disability advocate with fucking no experience of disability. But that's okay. I mean, it's totally fine. It happens. I, I, I like to talk to people who have limited experience because I think they need to be brought into the world. Yeah, I, totally. I completely agree. Um, but, I, you know, first of all, if you were my swim coach, I would be in trouble. Because... <laughs> If you're my swim coach, I would be there. I, they'd have to, I'd have to change coaches because I wouldn't be allowed to swim with you. This happens all the time. I have so many gay men who can't swim sign up for my class, specifically hoping that for the that you'll like, like blow them in the fantasy and stuff like yeah. this. Yeah, and I can tell you that the first thing I do with those people is I make sure that they get a damn good swimming lesson. <laughs> that they're pretty tired by the end of it. Yeah. I think before we would have a swimming lesson, babes, I'd, I'd, the first thing we'd have is a really good discussion because I'm like, what do you want to get out of a swimming class? Like, what do you want to achieve? Like, why not? And if it is, like, I mean, I don't want to, I want to be professional because as a swim teacher, like, I don't want people to think that I'm giving hand jobs out for free, which I'm not because that would mean I don't have any enough money to pay for rent. But, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but, like... You know, some people come to the class because not because they're bad swimmers, but because they want a coach that they like to, you know, look at. And you know, that's a lot of reason why I have very full classes. So <laughs> good to know. Yeah. Um, when you were helping those kids with disabilities in the pool, and, yeah. and like helping those kids with, um, uh, into with um, learning disabilities in the classroom, what did you learn about disability by doing that, or did you learn anything? I, I learned heaps. Um, I was really lucky enough to do a, in Australia, we have like a qualification to become a swim teacher. Like you have to have a qualification to be a yeah. swim teacher. And it's something that you can do over two weeks and you get this qualification and then you can add additional qualifications onto it. And so the general swim teacher qualification is that you can swim, right? 
And then it sort of goes into adult swimming and then it goes into disability, like people with disabilities, how do you cater swimming lessons for them? And then I was lucky enough to do a few of those sort of like additional qualifications. So um, what I, you know, when, once I had done that qualification, I guess I was a little bit prepared um, just in terms of some of the physical disabilities. Yeah. What I wasn't prepared for was some of my, students and like I've taught people from age three to like 93 but the kids that I taught with disabilities were had one um student who was like profoundly autistic and um could like become violent in the class um and I think this family was just very exasperated and just really desperate for a coach who um maybe didn't like become so like shocked by the the child's behavior the like person's behavior yeah, and yeah. I just wasn't because I, I'm just not that sort of person to become you know overwhelmed really quickly if he was having a moment like I or having one of an episode where he'd become violent um like I was just like okay well that's it like you know that's what we're doing today in today's lesson is we're just managing that and working with his family to make sure he feels safe and that he'll come back to the pool next time. And it only really happened two or three times. And I taught him for like two years. And I think we just sort of learned, like I learned as a person, all the things in swimming that triggered that for him. Um, And I had to learn how to understand that teaching him how to swim or him being in the pool like it, the goal wasn't about him to do perfect freestyle and win a gold medal. The yeah. goal was connection. I guess for him, it was about socializing with someone outside of his family group. It was about getting some fitness into his day, some movement, exploring new things, which is really hard for people with the level of um, autism that that boy had. Um and we're really good. Like we're still like, he's, he's great. He's learning with another teacher who I like handed him on to another teacher when I, um, I left from that facility. So moving closer to the city. So, um, yeah, I guess going back to your question, like disability taught me that just because it's not going to be the same as someone who doesn't have a disability doesn't mean that we can't just have a great discussion and work out what goals we can have and so in that way not that I'm erasing the disability because it completely changes everything you do but to have an understanding and a shared understanding with someone else about what what we all want to achieve rather than looking at the disability as an obstacle looking at it as a new landscape um to work with that person yeah sense and doesn't sound like foey like yeah like yeah it makes it a lot harder. You know, the resources that like one teacher for one kid is more intense level of resources, but great. Like that's fine. You know, I don't think everyone could do it as well. And so, so just to kind of distill that down into like a soundbite then. So you, yeah, I like, I like when you said you learned that it like the disability for you in that sense was a new landscape. Cause I think, what we often try to do when it comes to disability, when we look at access and inclusion and diversity, equity and inclusion and all that stuff that we, all those buzzwords that we used to mean when we yeah. really should, when we really should just say fucking disability. Can we just say disability, please? That, that's what we're talking about. But, but so when we use all those buzzwords, what we're saying is 
we try to like graft old thinking onto this new landscape. And that's why I think a lot of disability stuff doesn't work because you're trying to put old thinking onto a new landscape where it won't, it won't thrive. I had to learn new thinking for me. I had to challenge because as someone who competed as a swimmer, who had a really high standard of swimming, who was very disciplined in swimming, who is very able-bodied to appreciate what, that those things weren't going to be the same for him. And um, I don't mean that in a negative way. It was just going to be different. And I had to come up with something else and, you know, set new benchmarks because as a teacher, my job is to make him feel safe, firstly, um, safe and welcome. And I guess enjoy the lesson and take something away from it. So yeah, like if I could tick those boxes, that that meant that I'd done a good job. But I, I think my favorite my my favorite part of that thing is that I'm going to steal this from you later and put it in a tweet that I'm going to pretend like I created. But I'm going to say like, I'm going to say like you know the new landscape thing. I think is really important because we do really we do in everything around disability. We graft old thinking onto this new landscape and we wonder why it's not working. Well, it's not working because it's not the same. And also I think as well, it's like just a catch-all statement. Like until you've actually been in a situation as an able-bodied person. I also taught a kid with cerebral palsy who um, uh, his left arm was very, I don't know what the word is. Um, help me out here. Like Atrophied. Co- yeah, atrophied. Classic. So like you can't, I can't ask him to like do this movement. That's never going to work for him. I mean, you could ask him to, he might just not do it the way that it is. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like he's never going to get it into the perfect shape, technique, finesse, right? Yeah. To to imagine and work with the person to come to that new landscape and what that new swimming language is, I guess. So we worked on other stuff and that was really important to develop a relationship with that person at the time. Yeah. It did work now. Super palsy is the sexiest of the palsies. Just so you know, it's the best one. I have it too. It's the, it's the greatest thing ever. Uh, it's, it's a lot of people who I've taught who have cerebral palsy, who wanted to come to learn to swim. So, and I think what happens is, Obviously, people with cerebral palsy maybe have a community or know other people with cerebral palsy and want to connect for shared experiences. And then that's how, like, oh, my son or my daughter is swimming with a swim coach and he's been really good. So that's how other people then find you as a swim coach because they, well, one person has enjoyed their experience and spoken to a friend. And that's how I ended up with, like, two or three uh, two or three kids with cerebral palsy and about four or five kids with autism. So, I mean, that's really good. And I think knowing that you're, that you're good with people with CP will lead into some things we'll talk about later. Uh... <laughs> I also cheated, like, when I was back in high school and just earning some extra money for me because I was a big smarty pants. Um, I, taught, I, I cheated people like, you know, in English and in all sorts of stuff like that. Again, if you and I were in high school, the problems that would arise. Under the auditorium, who knows where that little... I mean, do you remember that, that's, that first scene, in, that scene in the original Queer Folk from like 20 years ago? 
I never watch Korean folk. I'm a what? Guy. I know you're like, oh yeah. no, it's right now. What? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, well, you have to go back and watch the original. But there's a scene in the original where the two high school boys go and jerk off in like the bathroom or something. And I'm pretty sure that if you were my tutor, that might happen. <laughs> I'm oh. pretty sure. But then I'd lose my job if I was if I was your tutor. So I think well, I, would, I mean, uh, in the fantasy, in the fantasy world, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. In the, not once ever. In the fantasy only. In real life, <laughs> no way. Yeah. Um, so we've been talking about new landscapes today, about disability being a new landscape, and I like that, and I'm stealing it, and using it everywhere. Um, but so one of the things I like to ask people on the show, especially queer able-bodied men like you especially i like to ask porn stars this question because i think it's important for us to confront our ableism in the lgbtq community and so the question is it's my favorite how do you think your life would change if you gave became a wheelchair user tomorrow you know one of the like looking at your activism and your podcasts and stuff and looking through some of these things and i was really thinking at first I sort of got bogged down thinking, oh, well, if I was, <coughs> pardon me, sorry. If I got, um, if I just became a wheelchair user, how would my life change? Like, like just a wheelchair user. That's what I, that was my first thought. And I was like, oh, well, like it would be a big change, but I could, I could, you know, manage, it would look totally different. And then I was like, how would you know what disability like, like in this hypothetical scenario where tomorrow I wake up and I'm disabled, how would you know what that is? Or like a lot of people probably don't just have a like choice about what disability they get. And then I sort of got stuck thinking that because I was like, it's pretty arrogant of me just to presume that I would end up in a wheelchair. And then, you know, some of the people that have fucked me have nearly put me in a wheelchair. That's a joke. I mean, I uh, I could be one of them. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, I got really stuck because I thought I'd just end up in a wheelchair and I was like, I think actually that's really limited in the scope of thinking what disabilities could occur. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, just... yeah, 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 of course. But I mean, I use that example because it's quick, it's easy, it gets people thinking about the question life... right away. And I guess the answer to that is my life would totally change. Um, something that I noticed and, you know, cause we've been talking on and off, right. Is my work, um, my workplace where I go nine to five, Monday to Friday, how fucking awful it is in terms of just getting around for a disabled person. It's yeah. just every single door in that place is like a swing open door and they're really big, heavy glass doors. Do they not have like the buttons that you're supposed to have? Isn't that part of like, isn't there a law over there that's supposed to be? You can't, well, basically there's a button to like open the door, but it's still a big, heavy glass door. If you say, for example, didn't have, if your disability was something to do with arms. Like dexterity. Yeah. Yeah fucked because they're big glass doors like and it's not just that one like if I want to go from my desk at work to our mail room or even a better example our warehouse I would I counted I'd have to go through seven of those doors and down two flights of stairs wait tell me something is your muggle job Jim Helper from the office is that who you are no no oh it's like I can't 
it's corporate, but let's not. Let's not all right, so it. it's sort it's sort of that. All right, so you're like the Aussie gay version of Jim Halpert. I'm fine with that. That's fine. If if Jim Halpert started a successful pornography career, I mean, I'm okay with 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 John Krasinski. That's oh, that's listen. If he way. wants to be a porn star too, that's all right with that. Yeah, he would he would go off. Is all I'm saying. But there was oh seven- my god. <laughs> There'd be seven doors and two flights of stairs, and if I wanted to go up to our space in the warehouse, um, that'd be two flights of stairs as well. No lifts. What? No lifts. Wow. So um, on a, to on a completely non-sexy note, if you want to, if you and I want to talk afterwards about doing maybe some consulting for your for that firm, let me know because I would love to give them ideas. Yeah. Uh, it's. I will say though, in Australia, we do have our NDIS. Um, Canada has a similar. Not, not, not globally, but provincially we do. So in, in like, in our provinces, we have disability support. It's not great. It's pretty bad, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's work to go. We have our national ability, national disability insurance scheme, which is still in its infancy. It was only introduced in our previous government. Like it's only about, eight years old and I think there's obviously heaps of work to be done but I'm proud that we've got that you know at least yeah even though it's like there's I've heard from other Aussies and I've doing some work with the sex play that I'm creating within the NDIS it's great but it's also it needs a lot of work it needs yeah absolutely I think though that it's ambitious in its scope of what it's trying to do and I think I hope it becomes like a, a decent system um like, I do think generally we have some of the best healthcare in the world. Not that NDIS is healthcare. But, like, I think it's something that it, it is good progress, provincially yeah. or or nationally. I would rather have it than not. Of course. Um, and it's specifically for the question you asked, which is what would happen if I became disabled tomorrow. Yeah, um, so you feel like if you became disabled tomorrow having NDAS would at least make you feel more secure? I think it would give me at least a chance to learn that new landscape that we spoke about before. Thank you for the callback. Amazing. Uh, um, I also like, I think too, having, having good systems or at least having the bones of a good system to make disability better is important. Let's shift to like, so you're pretty queer um, yeah. and you're, you're like, I mean, your content creation is pretty raw because um, I've watched a lot of your stuff and I like it. I'm into all of it. How do you think if you were to become a wheelchair user or disabled tomorrow, how do you think your content creation as a porn star would change? Uh, and this is still just going off the hypothetical scenario. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One question that I have is, as wheelchair users, like, it's probably a really obvious question, and I assume there's a mix, like, sensations in your in your ass or your penis? Like, you have sensation there, right? I am privileged enough to say that I do. Some okay. people some people don't. Um, some what people... Do people who don't have sensation of either their penis or their, you know, prostate, what do... Like, what do they do for sexual stimulation? Because they must be sexually, like, sexual people. Yeah, I mean, I mean I've mean, i talked to a lot of people who don't have sensation in those spots, and they say, like, 
touch my nipples, touch my the top of my head, touch my earlobes, touch my armpits, like wherever right. I can find sensation, the body is adaptable. So yeah. the body will use whatever points it can to find pleasure. Yeah, right. But so, as well, there's still that like desire, right? To have oh, sleep. yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, I've talked about this so much on the show that anyone listening is like, oh my God, shut up. But I'll say it again. Um, you know, I've lost the ability to, to sell pleasure over the last couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, what? just from spasticity in my hands and tightness and it's been really hard to to want to master it because it hurts my hands so i could but it just hurts my muscles hurt then my whole body hurts and i'm halfway through the jerk off session being like what's the point this hurt so i'll just stop so like where was i going with that so well thank you for sharing with me is is um i because i guess i i don't know because i don't know those challenges you know i mean it's you know, it's something that I miss a lot. I miss being able to just whip out my dick and jerk off when I'm home and if I, if I want to. And, like, having the freedom and the autonomy to be like, I want to come today. Yeah. And not being able to do that is weird. But how, so, like, how do you, back to the bigger question, how do you think your your porn career and the kind of porn that you do, because in the porn you do, you're very aggressive in a soft kind of way you're really like like Gabe Woods the porn star is not who I'm talking to right now like but like that character you put on is very aggressive very like very like dominant which I think is which is hot but I think I want to ask how do you think that would change if you were to become a wheelchair user um I don't think the dominant submissive paradigm at the level that you're that sort of we're talking the dominant submissive paradigm is fantasy and you made a really good point that like talking to me now is very different from seeing the images and the pornography that I make because people read into the picture what they desire yeah I really want to get fucked by Gabe Woods but there's a bunch of people out there who are like I really want to fuck him because he's cute so that whole that submissive dominant paradigm is really interesting because just because um as a wheelchair user in this scenario um I, I i could still be dom as as a wheelchair user i could be submissive as a wheelchair user too so like i think you have to put aside like sexuality is like this ever increasingly complex map right and i use the word landscape before but sexuality is a map because you know what you want and what you enjoy and what gets you off and as you have more experiences with other and you try new things this map becomes increasingly defined that's why it's really important never to well i think try everything once <laughs> right yeah Simply consider your welfare and like what because i'm i'm not saying do drugs i just I, that is not what i'm saying um, but I'm just saying, like, you know, is it your first time trying anal? Like, um, do you want to try anal? Have you spoken about your desire to try anal? You know, or do you want to sound? Like, is sounding right for you? Try sounding. What would that be like? So I think as a disabled person that just because I've become disabled or I would lose function of my legs in this scenario, I don't think it would stop my sexuality. It would just change the type of porn that I would make. Yeah, so can you kind of elaborate on, like, just in this hypothetical fantasy, like, what, again, <laughs> the kind of porn you make is really, like, physical, really. I'm a very physical 
person because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite tall. I'm 183 centimeters. I'm 95 kilos. I'll do the conversion. Like you, you're Canadian. You guys have metric. Right? Yeah, it's fine. I get it. You're like, you're like six one. You're like six one and you're like, you know, hiding. yeah, you're, yeah. Which I like by the way. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. here for all this. It's fine. We all- it's it's the middle of winter and you guys live in Canada. So like beefy men are in high demand because, you know, like twinks are beautiful too. Twinks are beautiful people, but a twink doesn't keep you warm in minus 25 degrees Celsius. True facts. Um, and that's not anything against twinks because in summer, twinks are in high demand. No one wants a big fat hairy man, like burning them to death in the middle of summer. I mean, so, I'm okay with that. If, if that was an yeah. offer, the answer is, yeah, let's hang out. I say those those differences in seasonal variations in sexual taste, but I'm happy for anyone to be my bed, preferably just both, one of each. Cool. Um, but coming back to the question. What was um, it again? <laughs> so we got lost there in a fantasy. I, I think I'd create more solo content and I think I would, what, how I would, what content I would create is the narrative of exploring my new sexuality since becoming disabled. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I would, if I were you, and if I ever do more content creation myself, I would employ the hot, able-bodied porn stars to be like, come fuck me or come get fucked by me and put it on camera because can, can I get fucked? Yeah. Um, I've not tried. I've not, I've not bought them for somebody yet because of my disabilities and all my stuff. So I, I don't, I could but I would need it to be with somebody that I trust, like not a one night stand, like somebody that I would see regularly. And also I think as well, that is very common with the emotional side of anal sex. Like it's very common because it is firstly a penetrative act. Like the first time you ever have anal sex, you, there's a very big moment of like, I guess, it, 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 I would liken it to like losing your virginity in a way. Um, there can be a, a moment afterwards where you need to be held or comforted because I think you carry as a gay man so much stigma about being fucked in the ass that it's yeah, like, yeah. a thing to do. So I remember my first time getting fucked in the ass and kind of was just a little bit not teary because it was bad experience. It was a great experience and I liked it, but I felt very vulnerable. I felt very vulnerable in that moment. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, if you wanted to explore anal as a wheelchair user, what how my question to you is where do you think you would start? Do you use toys? Like what where do you what do you do? Well, I can't even access that stuff on my own. So I'd have to I'd have to sit with the partner that's gonna do it and be like, Okay, we have to have a big discussion about what you need to do for me and plus I have IBS. So yeah. like there's a high probability that I'll shit on you. So like yeah. we have to have a discussion about Shit. everyone's comfort level before I do that. I mean, yeah. it's been a dream of mine to get fucked in that way, just because I, I feel like, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again, I feel like I'm missing out on a big part of queerness by not being fucked. But then at the same time, I've kind of come into this new identity of like a side, which is like not a top or a bottom, but a side a little bit. So that, that to me is like, Oh, I like that. I can, I can play in that world more so than, you know, wanting to be fucked. But I do feel like it is something that I'm missing out on. I feel like it's really important to reframe your thinking. You're not missing out on anything. I don't think obviously 
I think it's the same as exploring that landscape and just discovering what's possible and being kind to yourself. Cause I think like, I don't know why I'm saying that to you. I imagine that your whole life has probably been about learning to be kind to yourself. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty bad at it. So I'm glad you reminded me because I'm pretty bad at that. I'm pretty, I'm pretty shit. Well, you know, like I think it's really important to be kind. And I also think if you're a top and you're shaming someone for shitting on your dick, you're a terrible person. Cause I, if you fucking go down Alice, if you go down the rabbit hole, you're going to find Alice. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I like that. I'm here for it. That's great. Um, but so- also like, a good top will not shame you for bodily functions. It's a body. That's what it does. It shits, it comes, it sweats, it bleeds, it has pus, it has scabs. Like, if so you watch, when are it, we hanging out is what I want to know. Like, fuck. <laughs> I just, well, babes, I have to fly to Canada and then I've got my trips lined up. You know, like, I'm very grat- grateful at the moment. This sort of side thing that I was doing for a little bit of money. Sydney is a very, very expensive city. Um, this thing that I was doing as a side hustle that came out of losing my jobs from the pandemic um, has turned into a very lucrative thing. So I do have plans to travel and keep doing this as a career um, journey adventure. And so I think one day I'll be in Canada. I'd love to meet up with you, of course. We should hang out. Whether we fuck around or not, that's totally up to us at the time, but we should still hang out. Um, And I'd love to help you explore your sexuality. I I really do mean that for everyone because, like, I think every human being has a right to sexuality, able-bodied and not. But I don't want to just, like, make generic dumb statements. It's about action. So what saying that shit? If you're not actually helping disabled people with your sexuality, then fuck off because that's not helping anyone get off, right? Have you ever in your in your non-porn life, have you fucked a disabled person? Yeah, I, I hooked up with a guy who um, was, like, just paralysed in his lower legs from a plane crash. So I went back to his place and we fucked. That was pretty cute. What was that experience like for you in terms of, like, going from your, your knowledge of being, like, a, a swim teacher to disabled kids and, like, having a little bit of that that kind of knowledge already? Was it uncomfortable think- or...? I think it was really important not to be patronizing and I could tell that his personality and this is like reading people sexually he he wanted to be dominant he was clearly obviously like very built in his upper body so he wanted to take care of his upper body and stuff and and take care of his whole body by exercising um and he and I had been flirting and stuff and um and talking and you have another question that's coming up and I'll relate it back to this story but yeah it was it was great experience but we're we're very different people I think like in terms of so we're not like I guess friends or anything it was just a one night stand but hey it was great well uh, so yeah he had a a what a big cock he had a great cock it was really lovely I mean, that old eight inch slug was fabulous. I'm here for it. And that's what I'll be renaming my penis immediately. Uh, (laughs) Great. (laughs) Um, So do you, because I want us to really talk about ableism and disability a little bit in in this talk. And I really want to, I really want to use this as an opportunity to teach people. One of the ways I like to teach people is getting us to talk about times where we've done ableism to disabled folks and really getting us to like 
understand that. So do you, have you, uh, has there been a that I wanted you to ask me in that story? Oh, nice. This person, I've actually seen at a club a few times, um, coming out to events and stuff. And I, I, I always like people say hi to me. Like I'm just, I'm an idiot in a club. I'm, I'm always like a big goofy smile on my face when I'm out. Cause I love, you know, nightlife and being out and stuff. Probably if I was in a wheelchair, it would be very different experience, but um, I, he was speaking to me and I, it was very loud in a club. So I like leant down to hear him speak and he got very upset because he was like, you don't need to lean down to hear me. Like your ears work just as well standing up. And I was kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry if that's. No, offensive. see, I think I would, I would challenge him and be like, dude, look at the context of where you are. Like you're in a loud club. You yeah. can't hear anybody. He's kneeling down to be, also to be respectful of you. Not kneeling down. I was like just fully bending at the hips, like to like listen to him because I couldn't hear him. Yeah. Um, but like he he got upset about that, and you know, like I think that that probably was just something I that's something that I I remember distinctly because I was like, oh, I don't I don't want to like embarrass anyone or like be patronizing or anything like that. So yeah, and then I told him later on that he was a cunt. So don't worry about it too much. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he it's good because I think like these are learning experiences and it made me think about like, oh, I should learn about etiquette when, you know, speaking to people who might be in a wheelchair situation, you know, like, what is that? Where do I go? So I did like ask a friend of mine who's in a wheelchair, like, is that like rude? And he said exactly the same thing that you did. Like, he was like, come into the, given the context, he's like, how else would you do it? Yeah. Like then to the same guy later on, like, if I want to like give you a kiss on the cheek, cause like our family by descent is French. So I tend to do the one, two kiss when I meet anyone, like that's how I say hi. It's culturally like part of my identity. Yeah. And I was like, well, how can I give you a kiss if I don't bend down? And he's like, okay, well I'll allow it. Cause you give great kisses. So. I'll allow it. What a dork. I know. What a dork. I, he had only really lost movement in his legs somewhat recently i think oh like, so that's why he was going through the grief of like moving through it yeah yeah and that's you know i'm really lucky that i had the privilege of not just shutting down and as an able-bodied person removing myself because i was uncomfortable because he had told me that you know he'd maybe had a moment with his grief that had expressed itself as saying please don't bend down you know what i mean because he was maybe struggling with that that's yeah. how i interpreted it but please if like if you think that's bullshit like I'm, no no I think I think you know like I think also the fact that you didn't run away out of anger when he called you on stuff and you just let him have his moment I think that's important too no, you didn't mean, exactly. mean, so right like it's about um sorry I interrupted you it's about I, I'm here to learn like in no way do I think I'm perfect in no way do I think I'm done learning I think it's, you're always learning. And the second you give up learning, give up, like, fuck off. Like, go find a little closed off society where you can just be exactly the same for the rest of your life. Like, I'm not interested in that. As a queer person, like, inherently, everything about us changes all the time. 
day to day. And I think if you're not kind enough and willing to learn about yourself and others, then don't be my friend. Like you're not welcome. <laughs> like I do not want you here. Thank you. Goodbye. Uh, um, so going back to our hypothetical for a minute, I know we've talked about you doing porn and you're a big goofy porn star and that's great. I consume your porn all the time, like I said, and I, I watch you far too much, which is it's probably what's, a problem. What's your favorite video? Did uh, you, particular? you and Brisbane Otter doing. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's I go to that one frequently. It's quite nice. And is I'm it, also. What's nice about it, babes? What did, was there something you liked about it in particular? You guys were in a toilet, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's what I like. I like the public, the public sex. You're like me. You're a bit of a voyeur. So I don't like being seen in public. This is so crazy. I don't like being seen in public, but I do love performing. So I love fucking in public. I don't like being like, I don't like watching public porn, but I love fucking in public. So, Well, <laughs> I certainly enjoy those scenes. And I, I, I feel like there might be a, Disabled toilet in our future. Um, I hope so. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think, I definitely think so. But my question was, how do you think porn would change if you had a disabled scene partner? I, I think like just going back to our conversations earlier, for me, one thing that I'm really lucky to have as a person is good communication. Because um, I'm, I'm not really afraid if someone is different from me to have a conversation and try and learn because I think what I've learned about myself as a person is I, I am kind. That is just part of who I am. And I don't look at it necessarily as a kindness. I look at it as something that's really needed. Um, maybe it is kindness, but what I'm saying is you have to start by having a relationship with that person by building good communication talking about and this is this goes for everyone having sex like this is just the the basic basic stuff like fuck porn and fuck disability like straight away the first thing you have to be able to do is be a good communicator be kind for yourself and others and have respect for each other as well and probably shouldn't be so flippant with like fuck disability and fuck porn but like i mean i'm here for it i get it i understand i get it as people like if you're having sex the first thing you need to have is a conversation, you know, so much of sex because of porn and, you know, sexualization of media and all that sort of stuff is like rushing into it. The yeah. sex you have from having a conversation about what you want and what you don't want is millions of times better than what you just get by being drunk in a club and fucking. And like making out with somebody. And not having anything come out of it afterwards. And also. Yeah. One thing I've learned from the internet is people are fucking kinky as fuck. They want very, very specific things. And if they want specific things, they will communicate that to you very clearly. Um, but in a day-to-day context for most people, they we skip that conversation very quickly. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's important. It's an important reminder. Disability kind of allows you, well, allows and forces you to have a really good communication style and a really clear discussion. And so I think if you and I, when you and I are scene partners, um, you know, having those discussions will make the scene 
different yeah. because yeah but also different than than your average like run-of-the-mill porn because we would talk about where do we place the wheelchair how do we how do we show disability in this scene while also having a great fucking time and i yeah. think that i think the difference of of disability aids in a scene like the stuff you do like in the in the toilets or like you know that kind of stuff in a public place with disability there could be really hot all achievable also as well the first thing that we should probably talk about even before we start speaking about the practicalities of shooting it and do you want to be represented with disability aids like you know is safety are you on prep (laughs) do you get sti checks like how's your sexual health that's the first question you ask every time. Yeah, disability or no. Like, yeah, um, yeah. And that's standard for, I think, almost every creator. So, I, I, you know, like, it's really important that your health and welfare is always first. And then after that, great. Okay, so how do you want to be fucked? Um, how do you, like, what, what do you want to, if you're a person who's very image conscious or, you know, there's something that would make you, not feel the fantasy like what is that and again you can explore all of those things in a process but it always comes back to communication so yeah and I think the kind of communication you'd have the disabled scene partner would be like and that you that we might film would be like you know take my pants off you know move me here and I think that stuff because in porn that I've seen with able-bodied creators it's very there's no, that's done independently. So I think there's something sexy about about showing that care in the porn. And I think that would make it different. Yeah. I I think I know what you're saying. And I like, I think the aspect of care in porn, especially gay male porn, which is so aggressive and so like, it's not central. I mean, it can be central, but usually it's not. Usually it's like, I'm going to fuck you up the ass and then that's, that's all you get. But I think disability allows for what or would allow for a more quiet kind of sensuality in the porn that could make it really cool. And also as well, porn that people who are disabled can, uh, or people who, and like, like just drop disabled for a second because it's a big issue just generally in media is, media that you can identify with. Um, I can see someone in this hypothetical porn shoot that is in a wheelchair. That's hotter than someone who's not in a wheelchair because like, it's easier for me to sexually connect with what I'm consuming as content when the person who is represented on the screen looks like me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just for people in a wheelchair. It's for, people of like people of color, people of age, people of disability, people of all of those different access and trends. Yeah. Yeah. All, all of those connections. Yeah. Oh my God. There's so much trans porn, um, you know, and it's world, so good. Like it's, it's, it's great porn. really good. Just, you know, anyway, for all the hatred towards trans people in the world, which makes me so sad, there is some of the best porn I've ever seen comes from trans. Yeah, I I would I would also agree. And my, like part of my dirty sexual dream is to be to do what you just said, which is like to make some of the best porn as a disabled person. I've only shot twice, but if I ever get the chance to again, like the... well, if I get the chance, say when I get the chance, 
Make the you gotta manifest those dreams, baby. Like, Alright, I'll say it, I'll say it. So when I get a chance to shoot again, I wanna make the best stable porn. That's hot. Um now I can't stop thinking about fucking you in a toilet. Uh <laughs> I'm 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 really I haven't done that many bottoming scenes, but I'm very excited to try it. Like yourself, I I don't have the what I have de- dubbed the magical asshole. Um, my asshole is obviously not always like, I don't want to say clean, ready, right? For sex. Yeah. So getting ready for me always takes longer than other people. And like, even just like last week, I've had the epiphany that it's like, you know, what doesn't help stressing about it. It just yeah. doesn't help at all. You've got to be relaxed and you've got to learn how your body is different from every other fucking body on the planet. Like I every- just had a colonoscopy last week. So I know all about relaxing your asshole the right fucking way. Yeah, well, how was that experience? Oh man, where do I even start? I the the procedure itself was not a problem because you're on so much fucking drugs, you don't know what's happening. But the preparation for it, oh, I don't wish that on anybody. I was, was on. They give you a drink at four o'clock, and they say yeah. drink this, and then drink two liters of water after you drink this, and then the minute you drink it, you're on the toilet from. 4 to about 11 p.m. Shitting your guts out. Uncontrollable shitting. And what did you... What was the colonoscopy for? Was it a checkup from your IBS? Or? It was, yeah, to make sure that there was no, like, polyp or cancer or any kind of weird thing in there. So... Just a routine. Yeah. Uh, but I'd never had one before. It was my first one. Okay, so right. I was, like, not ready for how much shit I released in the world. I was just not ready. But baby cakes, like, once you've cleaned out like that, trust me, you could take a fist and you wouldn't have even had a skerrick of shit on <laughs> Yeah, well, I haven't still done poo since I did that, so... Your babe, that's called, that is called ready as you will ever be. You Cleaning say, it out. Dude. I should. I need to find yeah, a good... Well, like, you do get miracle fucks. Sometimes gay Jesus, um, wherever he is, is just like, this is me after having, like, a Subway sandwich, like a big top, like, I was starving. I ate a Subway. Hot guy was like, I'll come over right now. And I was like, I'm not even, like, ready, but I'll come over and top you. So I topped him, and he's beautiful, man. Rolled me over and fucked me. I was I was ready as I would have ever been. <laughs> and I was like, there is a gay Jesus, because that does not happen, like, that is um, not the usual um, scenario. But, hey, I think the important thing is if you are trying anal, not to guilt or shame yourself for something that biologically is happening that happens without your control. So if yeah. you say, it's my fault, you really need to reevaluate how you speak to yourself because putting a dick in someone's asshole is inevitably going to end up with shit on it. Like, just don't make it a big issue. And part of the problem is tops that make it a big issue. You know, they need to be mindful and respectful as well because every top is a top until they're drunk and they're a bottom. <laughs> Amazing. Um, that makes I'd... me sound like drunk people without consent anyway. I don't. I'm just saying, like, you know, every single person in this world is a bottom. At the end of the day. Amazing. Yes. Support this. Um, what was my question? I don't even know anymore. But so, yeah, I think our porn would be, would hot. be really hot. Or will be hot. I'm going to manifest in the world. It will be hot. Also, 
I think you know it'll it'll show you disability in a whole new way that you may not have. Well, you've already you already fucked a hot disabled guy, so you're 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 a veteran then. Well, I fucked a hot guy, but there's a lot of hot guys out there yet to be fucked. You know. I know. I'm sitting right here. Um, Adventure, babe. It's not the end. Like it's not a single point. It's not like I'm going to get to a magical bussy and be like, oh, that's it for me. I'm oh, did you I'm just say? Did you just say bussy unironically? Yeah, uh, you did. Hectic bussy. Oh like, wow. Magical bussy. No, it like, leaves to stop. It leaves to be over. No, no. This show at once for saying bussy. Yeah, get away. Um, <laughs> um. So you and I have talked a little bit about you having a diagnosis of ADHD and you're, from what I remember from our conversations, you're not fully, you're not diagnosed yet? No. So um, I am in the queue to get an appointment to see a psychiatrist in 11 months. (laughs) Cool. So in about a year. Yeah. Um, And so... I wonder because, you know, I've talked to a lot of people with ADHD who who would say that ADHD is a disability for them. Do you consider it a disability for you? The amount of, and I've spoken about this with a psychologist, but not a psychiatrist, the amount of emotional energy and cognitive energy that I put into being focused every day is extremely hard. And I'm often fatigued as a result of that. Um, it can be really hard to, you know, not be impulsive. And I know at times in my life with, you know, drugs and people and stuff, I've been really impulsive rather than just taking a moment to think about it. And in that way, I guess I shouldn't compare disabilities because it's not very kind, but like it can make things harder when you don't make a good decision or you don't slow down to think about the decisions that you're making in a very sort of rapid way. And like, it's kind of like good and bad. I think one thing I'm very grateful for is I find it extremely hard to stay still, like as a person, like, I mean, physically sit still. And this is why the question, the hypothetical about me being in a wheelchair, I, I think I'd go nuts. Like I, I, I could say that in the best possible way. I would be really anxious as a person because I have a lot of energy, like a poodle that needs to be walked every day. <laughs> like I go to the gym every day and it's half the time going to that gym. People are like, oh, just another white muscle gay, which bleh, like there's, there's thousands of us. Um I mean, you are, but come over whenever you're ready. Oh, hang out. It's fine. But right. Like, but I think people don't understand that 90% of the reason that I go to the gym is because if I don't go to the gym, I have so much excess energy that that just turns back on me. And I literally eat myself alive, not food. I mean, like negative spirals of thought or something. Yeah. So, you know, hyperactivity is, is a very real one. And like going to bed, like, like people like with my ex-partner who I was with for a long time, he just didn't understand why like the idea of sitting down on a couch and cuddling for a day would be really hard for me. So that did impact a personal relationship. For me, the idea of sitting on a couch is like ants are on your skin and like you have to get up and do something, you know, I'd rather clean a whole house, you know, 
than sit on a couch and watch a movie. Yeah. So it's hard to explain that to people in a way that, you know. So do you think that, do you feel like it's a disability or no? It's hard saying that's a disability when I have seen the levels of disability that some people have, because I feel like that's maybe a very selfish thing to say. Like, mm, I, I disagree with you. I think disability is a spectrum. I think that if, and the reason why I, the reason why I'm suggesting that maybe it is a disability is for two reasons, because then you can, you can be introduced to a bunch of other neurodivergent folks who live with it, who have community that can like teach you stuff. And also how important would it be for you to be like, yo, I'm a neurodivergent porn star with ADHD. And this is what I live with. Like, I think, putting that out in the scope of what you do could also be really powerful. And I think it's, yeah, I, I, yes, thank you. You're right. Um, And to add to that, um, it would be great. And that's why I think I do want to see a psychiatrist about it. Someone who has those diagnostic tools to at least help me in some capacity, because maybe everything is a spectrum and maybe I don't have full ADHD or like classically presented ADHD, but I do know that whenever I, you know, steal my friend's Dexies, which is like, you know, a Dexamphetamine, it's like a, like a, like a Ritalin, like a sort of like, okay, a yeah. it's like, I just feel like I can breathe. Like I can just take a second and relax. Like that's not, what is meant to happen when you take stimulants I've been told so and I I I kind of knew that all along because you know being the Sydney party boy that I am cocaine you know um MDMA what do you you guys call MDMA in Canada Mm, MDMA that's what we call it here yeah so like having that stuff um it just is not the same experience for me as other people you know what I mean yeah so so like let's say you go to this you go to this psychiatrist in 11 months and they say you have ADHD do you think then you would put that on your like Gabe Woods Twitter profile I think it's to be diagnosed is to start the process of understanding it's difficult to like like I don't put gay on my profile but I'm actually I do put gay on my profile would I put ADHD on my profile as well? I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for that. Maybe, it, maybe in time, if I felt that I identified that way, but that, is that that's a- fair. Yeah, yeah, no, no, of course it isn't. And I wasn't looking for a definitive answer. I was just kind of playing with the idea of like, yeah, this labels are really, I'm, I'm not calling it a label and I'm, oh God, that was a bad word. I just mean like, it is important if you're trying to, connect with the experience of others who have that as well so if you don't say it how can people connect yeah and that's what I'm thinking and I think because porn is so the the industry you're in is so fucking ableist I think seeing someone like you be like hey I think I have this and I want to talk about it from a disability standpoint is important so I'm not not saying you have to I'm not saying that like I'm saying that it's, it's if a diagnosis like that comes through it could be it could help shift the industry and the way they think about stuff. Yeah. And it's really important because I guess even in porn, there's some behaviors that I exhibit 
sexually or on set because, for example, after a shoot, usually I I, I just want to leave. Like I want to wash off, leave and just like, it's not like a running away mechanism, but someone told me that that's actually a really common like thing that people with ADHD do um, because the serotonin rush into their brain causes them to like calm down significantly more from what they their usual neurochemistry is. Yeah. And I found that really interesting because I was like, are you telling me that I'm not just being a jerk by like walking away from her? Most people after they have sex want to cuddle. I'm like, get the fuck off me. Like don't touch me. <laughs> just good really good to know when we do our scene, I'll be sure to be far away from you the minute we're done. No, as soon as, no, no. It's as soon as I blow, I'm like, I'm done. Don't touch me anymore. Like it's crazy, babes. Um, but not in a mean way. Like I obviously still care for that person to have feelings, but immediately after, Usually I don't like to cuddle or touch or anything like that. I'll just make notes for when we inevitably fuck. I'll just, I'm just making, babes. I'm just (laughs) making the notes. Um, So I want to, you've, you've asked a couple questions throughout our talk today, but I want to give you like a chance to just sit with me and ask questions around disability. And I want to, I want to give you just an opportunity to be as open and as free with the questions as you want. Because I think so many gay men in our community and queer men in our community who are not disabled have a shit ton of questions. So I love letting you just ask. And so I open it to you now to just ask any questions about disability that you want. Do you think you get held back out of fear of trying? Or have you tried so much that you are exhausted from trying at this point? Do you think like you, because you've told me a few times in our discussions that you've had some really negative experiences exploring your sexuality. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, I'm concerned for you that that's going to stop you trying to find good experiences. You know, that's a good question. And I think, I think the negativity has stopped me a lot. I don't date. I don't really go out. I will hook up with, my known sex worker every now and then when I have the funds that I'm able to, cause I trust yeah. them and it's easy. Um, yes. but I think, yeah, in part I have stopped because it's fucking exhausting. And I don't, you reach a point where you're like, fuck, I keep trying and I keep bumping up against the same issue and there's nothing I can do to fix it. So like, is the issue ableism? Yeah, the issue is ableism, both external and then internal. It's, it's the, yeah, the ableism right. that I have within myself being projected to me. Like right now in Toronto, this weekend we're recording, it's pride. I fucking hate pride because I want to yeah. suck all the dicks too, yeah. but I can't access them. And so I hate it because everybody's like, oh, you're going to go to pride. And I'm just like, I can't. None of that's accessible to me. Why would I go? So it... I think to answer your question, like I do get, I do stop because I just don't want to deal with the ableism anymore. Yeah. And that can be really, that can be, it's it's sad because I do want to try new things. I do want to go on dates. I do want to get fucked in the ass and toilet somewhere. Um, <laughs> I want to do all those things. And the ableism, both internal and external, stops me a lot of the time. How do you... Could you describe what that feeling of internal ableism is? 
It's like every bad message you've heard about disability from other people, you turn it on yourself. Can you every, just one for an example? Yeah. So like, so like, oh, you can't fuck me. You're disabled. Or I, or I wouldn't enjoy sex with you. And so like all that messaging that I hear from guys over the over the years or things well, they'll say like, what had one guy say to me recently, or not recently, but years ago, said to me, you should come to the gym. We'll work off your disability fat. And I was like, well, first of all, my, you're not going to work off my disability by going to the gym. What are you talking about? Secondly, like, no. And so all that messaging gets kind of compiled into, well, I've tried. Nobody wants me. What's the point? I'll just, I'll be upset about it and I'll be alone. It's fine. So, I, and like the feeling of internalized ableism, it feels like you want to crawl in a hole and die, that you don't like yourself, that, but you also know there's nothing you can do to change your disability. So no matter how much self-talk you give yourself to say I'm all right, the disability is yeah, not going away. So I can feel really, like, really tight. It makes me feel tight. Yeah, I get that. Wow, man. Um, I guess the next question I have is the reverse of that question, which is, is there anything that the disability gives you sexually that someone else might not be able to experience besides, you know, the shit stuff? The good stuff. Sexually, yeah, sexually, my disability gives me a chance to have intimacy with people where we might not otherwise. Yeah. If I if I could walk and run away after I blew in your ass, then we wouldn't have humor. There would be no jokes. I wouldn't be able to like. There'd be a lot of stuff I wouldn't do because I just get up and run away. Yeah. And so my disability allows me to build a connection and to bring you into. Like, I always make the joke, like, I'm a big dick cripple. I, I always make the joke, like, I, you know, bear in a chair, like, come fuck me. Like, I make all these, this humor that I think softens people to the idea of wanting to be with me. And then when I, when they whip out my dick and they go, oh, wow, it's huge. I go, I know. But if I didn't make you laugh or about disability, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't be here right now. So I think my disability allows me to unlock parts of people that they didn't realize they needed to have unlocked. Yeah. And I think that's both sexually and otherwise. And I think that's like really cool. That's a, <coughs> I'm so sorry. It's that's a, that's a, um, that's a social gift. I think that like sexually, the physical gift is that you've got a huge cock. I mean, it is It's very huge. It's huge. Don't like take more photos of that. Like I, I follow you on Twitter. I don't see a lot of cock pics. Well, you know, I'm also, I'm also, I also use that Twitter for like consultancy stuff. So I can't be like, here's my dick. Um, this, is, this is that is fascinating because it's like this sanitization of profession. I just told you before, I'm really anti-professional. Like this is professional me over here, and this is sexual me over here, and yeah. They don't, and I was like, I cannot tell you how many people I have fucked in a corporate setting, right? <laughs> wow. And, 
will completely blank me even though I made them blow twice in one night, you know, because of their rank or station. So I just like, it, it sucks that our society completely stigmatizes and ushers away and hides sexuality. And I'm not talking about sexuality as in like gay or straight. I'm talking about like actually having sex, like talking yeah. about it. We're so sanitized. And I don't mean talking about it in a way of like, I've got a big cock, take a photo of it, although I do. But like I've I wish seen people, it. It's quite I nice. Wish, I wish people were more like just open with their sexuality. Like we're all fucking all the time. Everyone is fucking everyone. Even if you're like like I'm going to, we're going to keep, we're going to take this discussion offline, but I want you to keep exploring your sexuality too, because it's important. Like it's important for you. Yeah, it is. But I mean, you know, what was I, what were we talking about before that? So like, um, yeah, I think like, you know, my, I think my, my disability allows me to open up with people and it, yeah, and give them kind of a lubricant to talk about stuff in a way. It's a word there. It was. It was a very suggestive, sexy choice of word it was. Your social skills lubricate, you know, the possibility of sex so that you can insert your physical body <laughs> into Correct. the opportunities. Uh, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. Do you have any any other burning questions around disability you want to ask? But that's like the thing about what I heard you say before is you use humour to disarm people's expectations of disability to improve the chance of them connecting with you so that you can then progress it forward to intimacy or physical sexual. Yeah, exactly. Like when we fuck, whether it's on camera or not, or both, you better you better call me a dirty cripple or I or what are we what are we even doing? Like there better be some comedy around the disability or it's not fun for me. Like if I, if the person that I'm with doesn't see the humor in what my life is then I can't, I don't want to engage. I, I, I'm totally with you. I completely agree. But I also have just a word of like sharing with you is that when you do flirt with people like that, you're making it transactional um, because if you're expecting your humour to open them up for sexual, you know, reciprocation, for them to come onto you as well, to make it, to normalise it, then it's a transactional thing when actually it's on them to look past their biases and actually see you as a full, you know, person with sexual needs as well. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to flirt with me if you want to have sex. Like, I respect that you want to have sex. That's so important. I like this, uh, but no, I think you're. I think you're right, and I think that that what you said there will make me reconsider how I engage with a lot of people now a little bit, and just like maybe tone down the flirtiness a little bit. To, it's not, not that flirting. I, flirting is a really important part of arousal because flirting is how we start to communicate. Hey, I'm I'm sexually interested, attracted to you, but that conversation, it doesn't have to, there are so many ways, there are so many avenues into that conversation about sex. Like, you know, even 
I guess I get it. It's like, don't fuck people who are your friends, but sex is so much more than just that immediate transaction of pleasure. It can be about comfort or intimacy or longing or sadness. And sex is, is so complex like that as well. Like you can have a really big fight with someone and then have sex as a way of making up when you don't quite know how to overcome the the problem that you're fighting about. Yeah. Uh, And so sex is actually a really good way of connecting and healing as well. So when we just limit sex, the engagement of sex to just flirting, then we're not seeing sex for all the other possibilities that it can have too, which is about empowerment, connection, intimacy, being a human being. And unfortunately, like with all really good things in life, that also includes rejection. So flirt as much as you like, but sometimes having just a really straightforward discussion saying you're a really beautiful person and I'd love to sexually connect with you is a really powerful way to move past just, just the flirting and, and be really honest about your feelings because I've said to a lot of really hot, hot fucking men, hey, like you're just so beautiful to me, not just physically but who you are and stuff like that and, and they've completely rejected me. So, <clears throat> wow, wow. <laughs> And like, you go, okay, cool. Like, I'm not your cup of tea and I'm going to be kind to myself and say, I'm not your cup of tea, but I'm so glad that I, in a serious way that wasn't flirting, said that because I could express those feelings and feel validated, even though I didn't get the response that I wanted, which was great fucking sense. And I think for me, flirting is a way, a little bit of way to hide my fear on my own disability. And so the the thing you shared just there about being direct and being like putting the flirting away for a minute and just saying like, I want to connect with you sexually. I think you're great. I think you're really hot or you're great or whatever it is. I don't do that a lot because I would, because I'm afraid that if I do that, I'm, I'm because of my disability and because of how different I am from the average guy on the apps, like they're going to reject me because of that. So I'm going to try what you said. I'm going to try. Oh, babes. The strike, gonna... rate, the strike rate will be very different. But let me start off by saying I'm very attracted to you because I think what you do and how you do it is profoundly attractive. And that confidence is something you should lean into. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate That's that. That's something that means, like, I'd like to have more of a conversation about how we can fuck. Um, well, we should 100% have that conversation off the air um of course babe you're a consultant too so you need let to me keep put my let me put my cock away for a minute and then get yeah. back get back to the question i'm supposed to be asking you <laughs> so do you have is there anything else you want to you want to is there a question that you would be afraid to ask me that you want to ask right now um no if i really i think I, I don't feel uncomfortable asking you anything and i did just ask you before like have you like played with toys and have you like I'm making a you know, toy you, you know yeah, that I'm no, no I saw that too see this is like really fucking cool like you are helping people out of your experience that's doing things that's fucking cool hot and like worthy of attention and like care and love you know what I mean oh thank you I appreciate that like, you're opening a door like just because it hasn't been done before doesn't mean it can't be like I'm exactly. very optimist, so I think fucking get out there and make a hot fucking toy. You know what I mean? 
It's you can't see it, but it's sitting in my, the prototype is sitting in my room right now. I'm looking at it. No spoilers, babes. No spoilers. Only on only on um only on my platforms do you get some spoilers every so uh, Amazing. Well maybe maybe the Gabe Woods the porn star will do a little PSA for me later about well, well, and maybe I can give your listeners like a twenty percent off discount code for some of my content. Oh, they! I'm sure they would love that. Those of them who who watch game of porn, which are a lot of people actually. Um, well, they would so, at least say that the person they're watching is doing his best to be an ally to all people. You know what I mean? And I, th- I mean, I think that's pretty awesome. And I think also like. I just think it would be fun to, I do, but I, I'm really, I keep going back to what you just said about just kind of dropping all the pretense and being honest. That's something that I, as a disabled person, haven't really done. I mean, I'm honest about it when they're like driving over here. I'm like, Hey, I'm disabled. Here's the deal. But I haven't like sat and been like, I want to connect with you as a person, as opposed to like, show me your dick. Like that's, that's nice. But like, it's really hard for me to do, to sit and look at somebody and be like, I think you're cool. Or I think you're hot. Let's chat. Because when I was coming up as a queer young person, what I was taught was like through gay media and through the bastardization of like gay media, I was taught like, you don't speak, you pull out your dick, you'll blow him, he fucks you and then it's done. And so like this whole idea of, of having a connection is what I want, but I've never, I've tried and I always get rebuffed because of the disability, but I've yeah. never been direct about like, Hey, I think you're hot. Let's have a chat. So I'm going to try that. And I- it's, it's a, it's a, it's a brutal strategy. Um, but I find that at least if you're honest, if you're honest and you get rejected, it's very different from flirting and getting rejected. Yeah, exactly. Like, Flirting is so much more intangible. Was it going to happen? Wasn't it going to happen? When you're direct and someone says no to you directly, there's comfort in knowing that they're not your cup of tea. Like I'm not, you know, I'm speaking about my experience. They don't want to fuck me because that's not what they find hot or sexy. And then it makes it about, okay, well, what what is good sex? Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> A really good example. A really good example is Brisbane Otter. He um, is a ex Brisbane Otter. Sorry, he lives in a different country, uh, in a different state now, Melbourne. Um, That's a city, not a state. Well done. He uh, uh, he is has a non-verbal way of flirting. Um, that I have never like experienced before. And he revved me up so much that I overcame my fear of public bathrooms and fucked him in a pub. Like it's very like profound, but that was like a nonverbal communication. And I wanted to like share that because that's still a form of flirting versus what I'm talking about, which is being direct, which is, Hey, you're a gorgeous person. And I like X, Y, and Z about you. And I always make sure that when I do flirt with people or I am having that actually serious, like I'm attracted to you, you know, you you need to say something that's more than just a physical attribute of their body. I love your energy, the way you make me feel, right? Can you, can we talk about it more? I am so turned on right now. I don't even know what to do. (laughs) 
so I'm going to move on to the, to the next question so I can be professional. But yes, <laughs> totally. You're totally right. Um, <laughs> because otherwise I would just sit and stare at you in silence for like 20 minutes and I'd just be like, what is happening? Um, like, uh, hey babes, like acknowledge how you feel and be kind and then move on. Like that's, if that's we, if, if I'm acknowledging that, then I would say if we were closer, we'd be going for coffee now. Um, yeah. love it, babes. Well, decaf babes, because IBS, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. By coffee, I mean, I'd have water and then, then nothing else. We're going to have a peppermint tea, babes. I, as someone who often has some gut issues as well, I don't have IBS, but peppermint tea is so good for your calming down the tummy. And it's tasty too. Um, we got off on, we got off on a giant tangent there. Let me, oh, let, me let me bring it back to what we're doing. So we've talked a little bit about ableism in the community today. How do you as a prominent gay male creator and someone who I want to fuck really a lot, how do you, how do you, um, think we can combat ableism in the queer male community? This is a really obvious answer, but can I just say this? More ramps would be a great start. (laughs) Right? Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. Yes. Like, because I was thinking about, and this goes back to your second question, which is like, if I became disabled tomorrow in a wheelchair, how would I get into my work building? Like, I'd be fucked. Like, you just can't physically get there because you can't access it because of a fucking step. Like, it is not hard to build a small ramp. Like. And, you know, the, the people who don't want to build the ramps would come back with and say, well, there's no money. You know what I say to that? Fuck you. There is money. And how you get the money? You you send out Gabe Woods, the go-go star, and all his friends to have a fucking fundraiser. And you put them on... Babes, I just get a fucking chisel and do it. And, like, even calling it defacing, like, get fucked. Like, you see this as a defacement. I'm going to say to you, that's the worst building designer I've ever fucking seen in my life. You rich cunt. Like, yeah. Or that, t- well, that, you could deface the building. Or you could have a huge, giant fucking gay event where all the go-go boys and all the drag queens in Sydney and all the people got together, put their money together, and, and fundraise for a fucking ramp like we do with, HIV and AIDS research, like we do with all that stuff. We're doing that all the time. Why are we not doing the same fucking thing for access? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's an intersection because, like, you can obviously have straight and gay disabled people as well. So Yes. But I know what you're saying. You're you're absolutely right. But I mean, maybe the thing is that just no one has thought of it yet. I disagree. Oh, well, no, yeah. like, yeah, you're right. Obviously, someone has fucking thought of it before. Because, <laughs> well, I've thought of it. Um, I'm backpedaling. Yeah, that's right. Good. And what, other, and what other ways do you think we could combat ableism in the community other than a ramp? Um... I think for me, like so much of the socialization that I do have is at, is at clubs and things. So it's about getting everyone there and making space for everyone to feel comfortable. And sometimes that might mean rethinking events to be able to have spaces for people to connect. I think it's really important. I think queer nightlife is incredibly important. Yeah. For, I think so much connection happens at those spaces that it's really important to actually just address the first issue, which is how do we get people there? 
yeah, I think one of the way, other than just the once we get people in the room, we also have to combat like how your, yeah, and how to make it, how to make looking at the our ableism too. Once you get all the people in wheelchairs there, that's great. But if they get there and no one talks to them, is it really accessible anymore? So nice. look, looking at like, how do we teach gay men about their ableism? Like, I would love to go to a bunch of clubs in all the big cities, all the gay bars and be like, hey, let's have a workshop on ableism. Let's talk about it for a minute because all of you fuckers have it. And we should talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's how we do it. We bring we bring the terminology to them. We bring some examples to them and we let them sit in their own discomfort in the nicest way. And that's how we change things. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, do you have any, this was such a fun conversation. We went fucking everywhere all at once. Uh, do you have any final thoughts or questions or things for me? None, baby. All right. Well, this was so fun. Thank you for coming on this tangent episode where we just went everywhere it was i'm i've wanted to talk to you forever so i'm excited that we finally did it thank you so much for being here thank you for talking to me it was well this will make our offline chat so much more rich now because we've we've gone through the ringer um so amazing uh but how do the people who are listening how do they get a hold of you how do they follow gabe woods yeah um you can follow me on at gabe woods xxx on twitter um, or you can follow me on Instagram at the Gabe underscore Woods. Amazing. I'll make sure that uh, all that stuff is in the show notes. Thank you so much, Gabe Woods. Uh, you were my porn dream come true. And uh, we will talk soon. We will. We will definitely. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, friends. That's another episode of Disability After Dark in the books. Thank you so much for making this episode comfy, cozy, and crippled. And I hope you enjoyed sitting down with your favorite disabled person on the internet and talking all things disability. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to my website, andrewgerza.com, or you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at andrewgerza1. If you want to be on the show, you can, of course, email us at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com with your disability story We'd love to hear from you. If you want to support Disability After Dark, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge as little as $1 a month, up to $5 a month or more, or even a yearly amount if that works for your budget. We at Disability After Dark, me, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for supporting this show and Crippled Co. and all the things we do. And tune in next week when we shine a light on another disability story, right here on Disability After Dark. Bye, friends! Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2022.